You're listening to the Built Shaves Podcast, presented by Midco Sports. With the college basketball season underway, now's the best time to sign up for Midco Sports, plus your streaming destination for University of North Dakota hoops, as well as football, volleyball, soccer, softball, and more. Midco Sports Plus, the home of the Summit League Network, giving you access to live games across the league from opening tip to final whistle. Sign up today at midcosportsplus.com. This is how we do sports, and this is the Bill Shaves Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Bill Shaves Podcast. We're taping this on a Tuesday morning, the 21st of November, Thanksgiving week, Bill Shaves. Happy Thanksgiving to you, Bill. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving to you, Alex. And how about this? No snow in Grand Forks. Is that an upset or what on Thanksgiving week? It's been wild. Just the fact, like thinking back to last month, you know, there was wintry conditions right before Halloween. It was like, all right, this is, we're, we're here, we're in it. You know, you just, you get ready for it. And it's been really pleasant. I mean, what a great month. I just, it doesn't feel like it should be Thanksgiving because it's been so nice. I got to double check the calendar, do a little double take. It's It's been great. It really has been. We've been really fortunate. Obviously, we played our last home football game last uh, last week. And, you know, it, we actually moved kind of the tailgating indoors um, in, in a sense. But I'll tell you what, it, it, folks were out there doing doing their thing. It was awesome. It really was great. So, uh, yeah, excited for uh, this week. It's a busy week, but exciting week, too. Very busy week. Very exciting week. You said last home football game. I'm going to correct you. Last regular season home football game because you got a playoff game that we're going to be talking about in a little bit at the Alara Center coming up over Thanksgiving. A lot of stuff to get to on the pod. Hockey's number one in the country. Football's playing in the postseason. Men's and women's hoops are off to good starts, etc. Before we get to that, though, we got to welcome in our guest for this week, a guy that knows the NCHC better than anybody because he's been there since essentially day one the Associate Commissioner of the National Collegiate Hockey Conference, Michael Weissman, joining us on the pod. Michael, thanks for being with us, buddy. Hey, Alex. Hey, Bill. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you guys having me on the podcast. Yeah, no, I appreciate it, Michael. I think first time on the pod, so uh, we're excited yeah. to have you for sure. Um, so, hey, easy easy layup uh, question for you. You've, you've seen a lot in the in the conference over the course of time just give us some highlights give us some highlights from your perspective i mean obviously there's been so much over the course of time but um just just give us a little bit of a background in case people don't you know know uh, you a little bit but just give you where you came from and then kind of some highlights from uh, the nchc during your time yeah absolutely thanks bill uh, so as alex said i've been with the nchc this is my 11th season so we've, we've in our 11th season of competition. So I I literally started about a week before the first uh, NCHC games were ever played. Um, So I have seen pretty much every NCHC game ever played. Uh, A little bit about me. Um, I'm actually originally from Oxford, Ohio, so home of the Miami University Redhawks. So very familiar uh, with them. Um, I actually worked for Miami for four years, three years as their hockey SID. Uh, That actually kind of led me to the job here with the NCHC. Uh, former Commissioner Josh Fenton uh, was a, a longtime associate AD at Miami, uh, heavily involved in their hockey program. When he took over uh, as commissioner of the NCHC, I uh, kind of put a bug in his ear and said, hey, if you're uh, looking for a communications person, Colorado Springs looks pretty nice. And uh, thankfully, it worked out pretty well for for uh, for me. And, and I hopefully the conference thinks so, too. So uh, that's that's kind of how I got to, to here and, and where I'm at. And uh, yeah, it's, it's hard to believe we're in year 11 of the NCHC. I mean, it seems like not that long ago, we were holding our first frozen face-off at Target Center back in 2014, and um, I was probably a little bit deer in headlights and didn't quite know what I was getting into, trying to run a, a whole tournament, run all the media operations at a, at a big, uh, in that case, an NBA venue, but a, but a big venue like that and a big tournament like the frozen face-off. So um, it's, it's been a long uh, and kind of wild ride. Uh, certainly the, the pod in Omaha, uh, Nebraska, back in December of, what was that, 2020, I think, uh, has to probably stick out at the forefront of my mind as, as the most unique experience that uh, I've had to um, kind of work through and, and gotten to um, work in the NCHC spending a month uh, in the pod at, at Baxter and in Omaha was was something. So um, it's it's been a lot of fun, a lot of great experiences, uh, met a lot of great people, gotten to travel to a lot of great NCHC cities uh, like Grand Forks and in several other places. So um, yeah, it's, it's exciting that uh, I've been here for 11 years and we're still going strong. The fact that you've got a chance to see all this and have been such an integral part in this from the start, doing different things. And you, as you said, you started as director of communications. Now you're the associate commissioner of the league. 
you've experienced five national championships and, and now soon to be expansion, adding on a team to the, to the conference next season in Arizona State. There's got to be such a great sense of pride, Michael, I imagine, amongst you and the rest of this group and the league as a whole and what you've been able to accomplish. Because this started from nothing, basically. This was an idea and has now become the best conference in college hockey. What a special thing to be a part of. Yeah, it really is. And, uh, you know, I'd like to maybe take a little bit of credit, but I really probably shouldn't. I mean, most of the credit goes to the student athletes and the coaches and the administrators of our eight member institutions who, you know, fully commit to hockey and put a good product on the ice. And, and as you mentioned, uh, winning five national championships uh, certainly helps with the NCHC raise their profile. Um, but, you know, as uh, as I started as director of communications and, and still in my current role, I oversee a lot of external communications and social media and video and website and things like that. And um, I'd like to think, you know, we've been able to kind of build our brand on social media and things like that and um, get our name out there a little bit and maybe, Maybe it influences a recruiter too to be like, oh yeah, you know they do some cool things on on social media. I've seen they do a good job of promoting their players, and that's a league I'd like to play in. So, um, certainly full credit to to the teams and and being able to compete at such a high level and winning championships and things like that. But, um, you know, I, I think uh, it is neat to to see how far we've come. And, um, you know, when college hockey realigned back in 2012, 2013, there was a lot of uncertainty, and I think even starting this league, there were probably a lot of teams that were a little unsure about how is this going to work out and taking, you know, six great programs from the old WCHA and two kind of power programs from the old CCHA and putting them together. How, how's that going to work? And, and um, I think most people would say it's turned out pretty well. So um, it's definitely been a special experience uh, to see, to see where we're at uh, today compared to day one. So quick question for you. I switch, switching gears on a uh, hockey weekend, take us through, what do you do on a hockey weekend? Wait, wait, what's your calendar? What, what, what do you, what's your thoughts? Yeah, it's, it's really changed uh, over the years, I would say. Um, when it first started, um, it was probably just a little more kind of oversight, posting some final score graphics on social media, um, things like that. We were definitely not as heavily in the video space. NCHGTV didn't even exist in our first season. Um, so I didn't really have access to live in-game video and ways to you know promote that and things like that. Um, so it was more um, kind of traditional writing recaps for the website, um, you know, I would usually go to a CC game. I'm based here in Colorado Springs. So going to a Colorado college game, sometimes driving up the road to go to a Denver game if they were home um, and just kind of monitoring the league. And then, yeah, writing a recap at the end of the night, doing some notes in the next morning, things like that. Um, now it's probably more heavy on the video. Um, I'm cutting highlights for at least one game, if not two games every night, um, along with Sam Keeney, our uh, digital content coordinator who does all of our kind of midweek video who does a great job with that. Um, the two of us are always cutting highlights for games. We also usually have one or two other people helping us um, since we typically have four to five games a night. Um, so it's a lot of cutting highlights. Um, and then I'm tweeting, you know, in-game goals, in-game highlights, great saves, great plays, things like that. Um, engaging with fans. Um, also monitoring all of our streams on NCHC TV. So um, you know, any game in an NCHC building is streamed live on NCHC TV, making sure all those streams are working um, both before the game, you know, checking and making sure there's video connection, and audio connection before the puck drops. Um, if there's not reaching out to those schools to see what's going on, making sure they're connected. And then certainly during a game, um, you know, this past Friday, we had a little bit of an issue at the beginning of the Denver game. Their stream was doing some weird things and, um, you know, they weren't even aware of it until I reached out to them and said, hey, you know, are you fixing this? And they, they didn't quite realize they thought everything was good on their end. It was definitely not. Um, so there's things like that where you're just kind of monitoring it. And certainly fans will let us know on social media if there's a stream not working. And um, so, you know, I'm usually reaching out to the school, sometimes reaching out to Sidearm Sports, who hosts NCHC TV, um, to see what the deal is, how we can get it fixed as quick as possible. And then also communicating that to fans um, saying, hey, you know, we're aware there's an issue with the stream. We're working on it. Um, obviously it's a paid service and so understandably fans can get a little cranky if they can't watch their team you know we're all that way if we can't watch our team um, so that that's a big part of it and then um, another example we were talking about a little bit earlier uh, before the podcast was we had a little bit of an ice issue at Denver um, on Saturday and so any kind of crisis communications or things like that that need to be communicated in real time um, certainly that would fall on me um, and then in addition to that just kind of a little bit of what I was doing at the beginning uh, when I first started, you know, some social graphics, final scores, things like that. But um, it's definitely shifted a little bit from maybe the writing and, and stuff to much more heavy on the video side and kind of oversight of, of how things are running. Yeah, I think for people at home who don't know, like what Michael does and obviously what Sam does, too, it's really impressive because, as you said, sometimes, especially during a non-conference weekends, 
you might have six teams playing at home where you're getting video from, you know, for nchc.tv from around the league. And you're keeping track of those games and letting people know what's happening and showcasing, as you said, the student athletes in the programs with the highlights that they're putting out. And it's really like two of you and three of you managing all this in addition to all of the other admin stuff. It is so impressive the level of quality and how in-depth – you can go back on an NCHC website or on the you know Twitter page, et cetera, and have a great understanding of exactly what happened in all these different games at night's end. And for you to be able to keep track of that, I just – again, I'm always blown away when you think of it like, no, it's really – it's just Michael and Sam. It's maybe like three people who are doing all this at the same time. I don't know. Just kudos. It's not really a question. Just kudos to you to be able to keep track of all these things and keep promoting the league and these programs like you do, Michael. It's awesome. Well, I appreciate that, Alex. It's uh, it's a lot of fun. And, and like you said, uh, a lot of credit goes to Sam Keeney, our digital content coordinator. She's been with us uh, as her third season, and she does a great job designing templates, designing the graphics, um, creating kind of those uh, midweek videos, the fun game shows and plays the week and all that stuff that you see during the week. That's all her. Um, and then, yeah, she kind of gets all her templates and graphics and everything ready, um, her highlight inserts, things like that. And then, um, you know, she sends it to me or I've got my materials that I need to create the highlight packages and we we crank them out. But, uh, yeah, it sometimes can be a little hard to keep track, make sure you're using the right hashtag or tagging the right team, things like that. <laughs> well, I know at the end of the night, like it's always great. You know, if I get done calling a game, like I can go to nchc.tv and then just watch or go on on Twitter and just watch the complete highlights of everything that was important that happened on the other games around the league and that's so invaluable because I couldn't sit and watch the three-hour broadcasts of all the other teams but you get at least a sense of what's going on and if you need to dig deeper you can it just makes it it makes life covering this league so easy I know that's the point that's what you're going for absolutely so, well done glad to hear it and hopefully uh, fans and media both enjoy it yeah so last one from me Michael um you mentioned Arizona State give give us the you know how how has that unfolded for you to some degree and you know what what's happening moving forward it's it's certainly going to be exciting for the league yeah definitely an exciting time uh, this is the first time in our history that we've we've added a, a member you know we've been kind of our core eight for for the first 10 and now 11 years um Arizona State adds a big brand name I think uh you know the casual sports fan, even the non-sports fan has probably heard of Arizona State University. I think they have the largest or second largest uh, enrollment. I think they have the largest or second largest alumni base in the country. So um, to have kind of, you know, all those additional fans, um, I think is a great thing. They have a brand new arena, Mullet Arena. Um, I haven't been uh, able to get there yet, but we do have a site visit scheduled uh, coming up here in February for our staff to head out there and kind of scope it out. So excited to see that. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, definitely an exciting time. We announced that back in uh, July and um, a lot of planning. We're putting a committee together to kind of work through what all needs to happen uh, to kind of welcome Arizona State and make sure they're ready to go when they come in officially next July 1st, um, as well as the conference is ready to go. So, you know, making sure their venue has the right replay system and they're ready to stream on NCHC TV and they're following our policies and procedures and um, things like that. You know, they've been independent for their first, what, six, seven years. And so they haven't you know, this isn't necessarily a knock on them, but they haven't really had policies and procedures to follow or necessarily guidelines to follow. They kind of just do their thing and it's worked for them, certainly. But we, you know, as North Dakota well knows, we have a set of rules and bylaws that we follow and play by and operate our games by. And so making sure they're aware of those and, and fulfilling those duties and things like that. And then on the NCHC side, making sure, you know, we're ready. So making sure um, their logo is going to be on our website and on NCHC TV and um, you know, getting their stuff uploaded like that, making sure all of our venues add Arizona State logos in their venues, um, to, along with the other teams, um, things like that. There's probably other things that I haven't thought about or that we'll have to, to think about as we get through. But um, certainly it's it's an exciting time. And, uh, you know, we're excited to, to bring them on board uh, come July 1st, 2024. Yeah, no doubt. We're, we're, exci we're excited to have them. I mean, no doubt. I, I think it was a good good move for us uh, as a as a conference. And uh, uh, we're excited uh, for next year, for sure. I will say this: the scheduling aspect has maybe become a little bit trickier uh, with an odd yeah. number of teams, but uh, we're working through it. We've got uh, 24, 25 finalized and, and almost done with 25, 26. So I think we're working through it. It's just maybe a little bit of an adjustment for the coaches in particular who are kind of used to our schedule being set one way. We had those set buys in February and now things are, you know, not quite, quite as the same, but 
Um, that comes with with changes, right? Yeah, I mean, I think the principles were in place, right? It was same number of games, obviously same number of home and away. So, I mean, at the end of the day, it's just are you impacting a, a, another weekend, right? And so, at the end of the, I mean, those are the things that you just have to kind of figure out. But you know, um, hey, we we got through COVID. Anything's possible. <laughs> That's right. That's right. If we can make it through COVID and play twenty, was it twenty? No, forty, thirty-eight games in twenty-some days. I think we can figure out how to make a nine-team, uh, twenty-four game schedule work. This will be a piece of cake. Piece of cake compared to that. Come on. Uh, last one from me, Michael. The you know, We talk a bit about the future, and, and there is so much excitement about next season with adding Arizona State. But obviously this year, there's a lot of really good hockey teams in the NCHC, and we've seen great competition over the course of the first two-plus months of the season. What have you noticed in terms of trends or things that have stood out to you among this hockey season as we get to the transition to Thanksgiving weekends? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's been a good start to the season. Uh, Non-conference play, I think, went pretty well for the NCHC. Uh, I'm going to cheat here and say, uh, looking at our records, we're 31-14-8 and eight so far in non-conference play, which uh, is, uh, I think, third best, but we're, we're pretty much right there with Hockey East. So it's close. Pretty yeah. solid, yeah, pretty solid non-conference effort, uh, really from all of our teams. And, and I guess maybe surprisingly, St. Cloud State was a little bit of a disappointment in the non-conference. And here they are, perfect 6-0 and so far uh, in conference play and sitting atop the conference standing. So just kind of shows that anything can happen. Sometimes teams are maybe rebuilding a little bit. Uh, North Dakota, probably the same way. Uh, you guys have really hit the ground running uh, up to number one in the country. So congratulations on that. Um, but yeah, it's been there's been some some great non-conference matchups. Um, you know, Denver went out east, North Dakota went out east and played uh, the Boston schools. Um, so that was a lot of fun. And yeah, it's really been a good good uh, start so far. It's uh, great to see our teams having success. Um, you know, even Miami got off to a really good start. Uh, nice win and tie uh, against Arizona State. Uh, Arizona State only has two losses all season uh, and one tie, and and two of those three came against Miami. So. Um, even though they're struggling a little bit here to start in conference play, it was good to see them get some uh, non-conference wins. And so, yeah, I think uh, those are some of the things I've noticed. You know, it's it's always a battle to win the Penrose Cup, and there's still a long ways to go. But um, it's it's important to get those non-conference wins, and um, you know, it it really affects the pairwise down the stretch because come conference play, one team is always winning and one team is always losing. So we need our teams to kind of be up in the pairwise now, so that as they kind of win and lose throughout the conference play, they're already. Uh, elevated and that really helps all of our teams as we go through the year yeah i think that's one of the great things that has happened i think in recent seasons is that fans have started to realize you want to be a miami fan and a saint cloud fan and a minnesota duluth fan in non-conference because that boosts the the profile of the league so much when it comes to ncaa tournament time and that's the difference between getting three teams and maybe getting five teams in the tournament so in that regard yeah just it's the big 10 it's hockey east and it's the nchc all very tight up at the top in terms of non-conference winning percentage and that will continue now this weekend with pretty much everybody doing a quick dip back into non-conference before closing out the first half of the season back in nchc play it's uh, no different than fcs football alex right it's the yeah. same deal. Mm -hmm. I mean, you want your conference to do as well as you can because that's going to help you. And you, you bring that back into the regular season. And then once you start playing each other, you're just playing each other. So at the end of the day, uh, you want to win as many of these games as possible, no doubt. Absolutely. Congrats on uh, making the FCS playoffs. Uh, that's a, that's a good Yeah, that's, that's exciting. It's fun. Yeah, yeah. no doubt about it. So uh, we'll, we're will we going to try to play uh, on Saturday after Thanksgiving and see what, see what we got. Everyone's zero and zero again. Well, we're going to talk more about that in just a bit. We're going to let Michael go for a sec, and then we're going to bring him back. Michael's a huge B-side fan. He's got a lot of opinions on some of the things that we talk about on the soccer space, et cetera. So first time ever, a B-side guest is going to join us. So Michael, thanks for your insight on the NCHC. We'll talk to you in just a little bit. We appreciate you. Sounds great. Thanks, guys. All right, great stuff there from Michael. Again, we'll talk to him a little later in the pod about some soccer and some football. We've got a lot of stuff to cover from a UND perspective, Bill, and we're going to cram it all in. Football, let's start there, because Bubba Schweigert and company win a dramatic one-point regular season finale over Illinois State to get to 7-4. and four. They punch their ticket to the FCS postseason for the fourth time in the last five years, and they get a home game, Bill. Just talk me through the emotions of Saturday and Sunday from a UND football perspective. Yeah, so really the playoffs started last week. And, you know, uh, you know, you had two six and four teams playing. We knew it was on the line. And uh, one of them, you know, if you win by a point, literally, and you feel okay about being in the strongest FCS conference in the country uh, with seven wins. And then the way the way the day went, Alex, you know, it kind of broke 
um, uh, probably correct for uh, the Valley, uh, obviously, to get six teams in. And I thought, you know, I thought there could be six teams in, but it really depended on what happened around the country. So, uh, you know, it was exciting for sure. And, uh, you know, I, I'm kind of, a, um, I guess, a little bit of a stat nerd a little bit to some degree. And there's 128 schools that play FCS football. And over the last five years, uh, only seven have made the playoffs four out of five years. And we're one of seven. And so that's pretty impressive. And so uh, so you add that in and then you have a Sacramento State team that's coming in. They're one of these seven as well. So I find that interesting. And so, uh, you know, so you got two seasoned playoff teams playing this week at the Alaris Center. It's a football game. I mean, it, it, it'll it be awesome. And, you know, we're going to have a, our hands full again. Um, it's, you know, anytime you're playing a big sky school, I think it's pretty clear that the big sky and the Valley are the two best FCS conferences in the country. Just by look at the seeds, right? Look at how many teams yeah. have mm-hmm. made it. I mean, by again, any metric you want to use, I think those are the two uh, best uh, conferences. So we'll have our hands full this week for sure. Yeah, Sac State number 15 in the country. They're coming off a disappointing loss, but a rivalry game against an unranked team. Their other three losses this year were against seeds. I mean, it was Idaho, Montana, Montana State. I mean, three of the top eight teams in the country. So uh, that's a Sac State team that, of course, UND has familiarity with, although it's been a couple of years, and now they're coming to Grand Forks to take on a UND team that is still unbeaten at home, 6-0 this year. You've only lost twice at home in the last five seasons. And Sac beat Stanford. And Sack beat Stanford. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. and you can. And Nichols State. They, they, they've beaten some good teams. They have a lot of big wins on their resume. That's right. Year. And you can say, you know, whatever you want about, you know, uh, what kind of year, you know, Stanford with Troy Taylor, who was Sack's coach, now is Stanford's coach. So they're going through a little bit of an evolution on some things. But to go to go to Stanford and win, that's pretty heady stuff. Not everybody can do that. Nope. You don't go beat a, a Pac-12 nope. school. That, that, that just doesn't happen. So it's a talented Sac State team, dual threat quarterback, yep. and actually rotating door at quarterback. They'll see a couple of different guys, balanced offense. Defensively, they've had some ups and downs, but you know you, you hope you could get after them there in that sense. But it's going to be a great day. Noon kickoff. Yep. Bill, tell us what we need to know in terms of playoff admission and tailgating and all those things. How different is this than a regular season? Yeah, game? you know, really on a macro level. So go to fightinghawks.com. You get all the ticket information there. So that I, I would say I'm not even going to go deep into the, uh, I'll call it the minutia of, of all the pieces. But it is an NCAA game. So it's not part of a regular season package. So this this game, we're we're basically hosting for the NCAA at this stage. So we submit a bid. Most, if not all, of the proceeds go back to the NCAA, um, but there are no comp tickets. Uh, there are no, you know, the, the, some of the things that we're able to do during the regular season, you're not able to do during this game. So even from a game presentation standpoint, there had been some conversations. When I first was doing this way back when, um, it was trying to be really neutral and, and I'll call it sanitized. But at the end of the day, I, I think we've given back a little bit that if you're in a home venue, you can do some of the things that you do during the home but really, at the end of the day, you just can't go really over the top on some things. So they're trying to keep it somewhat neutral, even though it's not right, because you've earned the right to host the game. So all that to be said, I don't think you'll see much of a difference. You know, not a lot of presentations because it's, again, not a regular season game. So from those uh, perspective, it just becomes a game if that if that makes sense. And so when they fly in, um, you know, we'll have a uh, a meeting on Friday night with the officials because the officials will be from a different conference, obviously not the mm-hmm. Big Sky or the Valley. So and then we'll talk talk about certain rules and all those types of things. And then it's a football game, Alex. I mean, it's a football game. We're gonna kick it, <laughs> it was just like we always do. Just like we always do. Uh, so noon kickoff from the Alaris Center. Two top 16 teams going at it for the right to play South Dakota the yep. next week in the quarterfinals. So great opportunity again. Best of luck to Bubba and the guys as they kick off the 2023 FCS postseason. Last thing I should say, it will be streamed on ESPN+. Plus. So that's that's the actual platform that you can find this game on. Back to, again, it's an NCAA game. So, mm-hmm. again, a Midco, per se, can't necessarily have 
you know, put put that game on your platform. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah, we would love to. Like that would be a thing that we would love to be a part of and broadcast the game just like we would during the regular season. But it's a postseason game. Different rights apply. ESPN has the rights. Yes, ESPN Plus will be where you can find it if you can't make it in person on Thanksgiving weekends. Speaking of events going on on campus during Thanksgiving weekend, UND Hockey back home again coming up to take on Bemidji State, a non-conference series against the Beavers. Two home games coming up on Friday and Saturday. Normal time, 7 o'clock Friday, 6 o'clock Saturday. North Dakota number one in the nation, Bill, after their fifth consecutive win, a sweep of Miami this past weekend. Bradbury and company playing great hockey right now and looking like the number one team in the nation. Yeah, I think it's exciting for sure. I think the team is playing great. They've got a good um, kind of a good vibe about them. I mean, they just I think are, you know, kind of taking care of business type of vibe. And, uh, you know, I think all of the questions that maybe were coming into the season where, um, you know, obviously a new goaltender and uh, new new defensive core. I think a lot of that stuff has been answered. Um, Now the question is, you know, how do you get better as a team moving forward? You know, and uh, uh, as Brad has said and you know, we we've alluded to um, even on this pod today and in, in previous pods as well. It's so incredibly important to win non-conference games. I mean, it gives you the ability to stack up, you know, the ability to, to bring in the best resume possible to conference games and then keep building on the pairwise. So so, yeah, it's exciting for sure. Um, you know, I did get asked a question uh this past week too, you know, sometimes it seems like we split games with Bemidji and sometimes we have them at home. It's kind of an every other year thing. So every other year they'll do two in Grand Forks and then next year we'll do the split weekend. So uh, uh, we'll do one here in Grand Forks and one in Bemidji. So um, excited for that. And as, as uh, you know, Michael has discussed as well, you know, next year's schedule might be a little bit different because uh, we just got to figure some things out. We might be using an extra weekend because of the nine teams. And so, uh, uh, more to come on all that, but we know how it imp- how important it is for us to play these regional games, uh, and and certainly we like playing the Beavers. Yeah, it's such a fun rivalry. Again, it's just two hours down the road. It makes sense. Like they're your closest geographical rival, and it and they're a good team. I mean, year in year out, Tom Serratori has that team ready to go. They're not too far removed from making the regional final. They're not really that far removed from making the Frozen Four. That was only about. 13 years ago or so, back in 2009, 2010. So uh, it's a Bemidji team, by the way, if you've been paying attention, they have been the comeback kings this year. They were down big on Saturday against Minnesota State early, came back to win 7-6. to six. The week previous, they were down big to Michigan Tech in the third period, had three unanswered goals to win that match. So e- even if UND's up, and UND has had a tendency to get big leads this year, don't Turn the TV off or don't leave the route because crazy things can happen over the course of these 60 minutes. But but for you and you, again, a couple of great wins against Miami. And now, as you said, a chance to try and continue to build that non-conference resume against a good team from the CCHA. Should be a couple of really fun games this weekend. Yeah, I mean, we say it every week and I know it's kind of a broken record, but we need to keep saying it each each team has really good players and uh, there's just so many good players in college hockey. And uh, in, in to some degree, there's not enough roster spots for how many good players there are yeah. really literally in the world. And so, um, you know, I will have our hands full like we always do with with Bemidji. But even we saw on Friday night where it felt like it was a little bit in control. But then even a couple quick goals, and and next thing you know, it's a one-goal game, and then uh, you're having to go back and 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 kind of go back to the drawing board a little bit. But it's 60 minutes, and uh, you know our guys have played very very well, and uh, I know they'll be excited for this weekend. It's a big weekend, yeah. Thanksgiving. I mean, people, a lot of people might be leaving town, but there's a lot of people that might be coming to town as well. And so, you know, what an awesome weekend after you have a great day on Thursday to be able to, uh, you know, we're we're close to a sellout on Friday. Um, uh, Again, I mean, awesome. we've had an awesome run. I can't thank the fans enough. And then, of course, a noon kick and then a, a six o'clock game on Saturday should be really, really exciting. It's so much fun, I think, to have these experiences over a holiday weekend like this. And I know there's always the concern of like, well, are people like you said, are people gone? Are people going to want to come out? But what a fun thing to get to put on your holiday calendar. Like, hey, we get to yeah. go to yeah. a UND hockey game. We get to go to a playoff football game. That's That's fun. That's special. And especially when you're thinking about 
the number one team in the country, who is really fun and entertaining to watch. Like some of the plays that North Dakota made, especially on Saturday, the goals that Gaber and Blake scored back to back at the end of the second period and the effort and hustle that the team has shown on either end of the ice. Like this is a special team. We're seeing some really special individuals collectively come together and do pretty amazing things. Again, I'm not saying this team's going to win a national title, but they're certainly going to be in the hunts. And the journey yeah. towards that is going to be a blast to watch. So take advantage while you can. That's right. And, uh, you know, I know Owen McLaughlin was a little bit under the weather on uh, Saturday, so he didn't play. But his play on Friday night to set Carson Albrecht up was pretty special as well. And so, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I dare say I think I might have been able to put that one in the net. I might have been able to. I might. I don't know. But uh, good for Carson. He's played so well this year, and he he plays so hard. You can put him on any line, really. And he's gonna. Uh, he just plays so heavy. It's it's awesome to see what he's doing. Uh, but it's exciting. It really is. Yeah. I, I I would say you know what what my eyes tell me right now. It feels like there's ten to twelve teams in the country. You kind of put them in a bucket a little bit, and uh, you know I think we're one of them. That that's that's making uh, you know at least an early season uh, you know bid to like be uh, a contender at this stage, but still a long way to go. Yeah, just six games left though in the first half, and this is a big weekend because it does kind of kick off the final stretch before the holiday break. Bemidji stayed at home this weekend on the road against the Denver team that right now I think is number four in the country, but that seemed they're one again just like North Dakota, one of the best teams in the nation, scoring a ton of goals. Big weekend coming up against the Pioneers. And then home against Colorado College on the 8th and 9th of December to close out the first half. So big six-game stretch. Can you climb, You know, keep climbing, keep finishing this half really strong? Or do you take a step back? We're going to find out over the next six games. And that starts this weekend against Bemidji State. Hoops, by the way, big win last night, late last night yeah. out on the West Coast. Yep. The men's basketball team took down a Pacific team who had beaten them by 30 a year ago. They pick up a big late win over the Tigers. Three and one now for Paul Sather's crew. They've really looked pretty good in their last three games after that tough outing against Iowa. This team who has a lot of promise starting to show it. Yeah, I thought it was great. Um, yeah, it was a late late night. I'm, no, I'm normally not up that late, but uh, but but I was watching. Uh, but uh, it was great, great ending. And you know what was kind of neat about it was. Um, those are the types of games that you're going to be able to probably draw from at some stage mm-hmm. that, you know, you found a way, you know, down one with the ball and then ultimately, you know, getting a, a great, you know, T had a, a great move to the hoop and he finishes and, uh, and then the, you know, like anything else, it comes down to a defensive stop. You got to get a defensive stop and then uh, you kind of put it away, but yeah, that's a good win. That's a, you know, it's a West coast conference team on the road, um, kind of going out two time zones and it was a return visit because they had come to Grand Forks. And so that's the reason why we were out there. We tried to some degree connect it with another game. It just didn't work. Um, and so we, Jamie Stevens, our associate head coach does a really good job of, uh, of, of, scheduling just it didn't work on this one so we're just going to be coming back and then uh and then we've uh both men and women are uh taking the thanksgiving holiday and going on the road and playing in a couple games so you know should be exciting for them yeah the men go into arkansas this weekend to take on new orleans and eastern michigan at the central arkansas classic the women going to mississippi at the lady eagle thanksgiving classic to take on southern miss and North Texas before both will come back home and have a doubleheader on the 28th. So a chance to see this team in person before they go back on the road again uh, before conference play starts at the end of December. But yeah, some big games coming up in non-conference for both the men and the women. Best of luck to the Fighting Hawks hoopsters as they keep rolling this season. Big shout out, by the way, just a couple quick things. Yona Cutlick, 88th out of 253 competitors at Nationals in Virginia for National Cross Country this past week. That's a huge deal. You say, oh, 88th, but again... 253 of the best in the nation, yep. and you finish in the top third. That's pretty good for a young lady who won the Summit League Championships two weeks ago. Well done to her and to the rest of the crew. And then shout out too to Marissa Stockman, who yeah. made first team all conference in the Summit League in volleyball. The ladies getting a great win on senior day against North Dakota State to close out the season. I know there were a lot of things that prevented this team from hitting maybe their peak over the course of Summit League play, and they missed out on the tournament. But 
you just saw how much they enjoyed playing with each other and how much they wanted that win against the Bison for Marissa and for Casey O'Dell, their two seniors, and then for them to get it. And then that's an NDSU team now that has gone down to Vermilion and won their opening round match and were in the thick of things last night in the semifinals. That's a good team that you beat to close your season out. Again, you got to think that Jesse Tupac and company, that that arrow is pointing up for that program moving forward. Yeah, I think so, uh, Alex. I, you know, uh, if it was a really interesting year, uh, four teams uh, tied for first place. And, you know, mm-hmm. with four, all had four losses. And so the differential between really top and bottom really wasn't all that much. It literally became a point here and a point there. Literally, it became a point. I I, I reflect back to when uh, we lost to South Dakota um, in five. We had a shot to potentially win it, and we didn't. And that just – that's sports. You know, I, I would be interested to see – the direction the season takes at that point in time, because unfortunately we just, just were nipped in, in the fifth set a couple of different times. And that would have been the difference between us being down there in the tournament and not. And so hopefully the team, you're right. Only two seniors, hopefully a lot of experience coming back next year. And then, uh, you know, we can use that as uh, to our advantage. Yeah, the future very bright for that group. But congrats again to Marissa and Casey on great careers. And I'm just good to see them go out with the win like that. Anything else? I don't think so. I just really uh, appreciate you. Appreciate uh, everyone in our fan base, uh, certainly our student athletes, our, our coaches, our staff, our university, um, Grand Forks. Uh, you know, it's just a, it's a special place. And uh, it's, it's that time of year where you kind of give thanks, right? Amen. All right, making a flip over to the B side. We're going to welcome back Michael Weissman. Michael is a big soccer fan. Michael's also a big uh, yeah, AFC a, North a, fan. We're going to talk fan. about that a little bit fan, too. But so I think it probably starts. Michael, tell the people uh, what your affiliation is in terms years. of the club you support. Uh, it was pretty exciting. I will Premier say, League. even though they were in a relegation battle, uh, I did go uh, to to a bar with some other Everton fans uh, last year to watch that final day of the regular season. So. To be with them to watch them win the game and 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 stay up was was pretty fun even though it's maybe a little nerve wracking to be on that side of it but uh, yeah Ever- Everton fan through and through. What has happened to Everton? I mean, I can we just start there? Like there, they I think they're the only. I could be wrong, but I think they're the only team that has never been relegated. Right? They've always played first division football in England. I think that's an accurate statement, but. Wow, they've had a rough go, huh? The last few, several years. Yeah, I believe you're correct in terms of they've never been relegated from the Premier League, and I think they've been in the top division since like 1951 or something like that. So, yeah, they've they've been uh, they've been up there for a while. But yeah, I mean, I know they're going through um, some some ownership uh, changes, and their chairman just passed away a little bit ago or a couple couple weeks ago. So, um, you know, they're dealing with the the 10 point deduction from the financial fair play rules, which I don't really don't totally get and, and I'm not quite that in depth in it, but um, yeah, I think they've just missed on, on some signings in the off season. You know, they, uh, I think it was two or three years ago um, when they had Hamas Rodriguez and um, Richarlison and Dominic Calvert-Lewin was kind of playing at his best. And um, Carlo Ancelotti was there and they brought him in and uh, he really seemed to have him going early on. And um, I think they finished kind of mid table after a really strong start. And then he left to go to Real Madrid and they lost Hamas and, and uh, you know, Richie went to the Spurs and they, they really have never replaced that talent. I mean, they brought in some guys and, and actually lately, the last couple of weeks, they're starting to play a little better and string some wins together. Uh, they were kind of comfortably out of the relegation zone until this 10 point <laughs> deduction. Um, but yeah, I think, I think they just haven't really filled um, some of those, you know, skill positions, the scoring and, and now bringing in Sean Dyche, who's certainly more of a defensive coach uh, from his time at Burnley. Um, I think that's the style that, that you're seeing there, but um, you got to score goals and, to me, you know, as uh, not maybe a big X's and O's soccer guy, but that seems to me that they've just kind of missed on some of their signing opportunities, which is kind of mind boggling when you realize that they've probably spent more than they're supposed to yet still couldn't get the right players in, in, the, in, the, in the team. Am, am I correct in saying as well, I, I think, aren't you working on a stadium project as well? Is that occurring at this stage? Yeah, so they're uh, sadly, I guess, getting rid of Goodison, which is right across the way from uh, Anfield, where Liverpool plays big rivals. And uh, I think it's so they're moving right right along the dock. There's a Bramley Moor dock, I want to say, is what it's called. So yeah, they're building a brand new stadium that I believe will be open next season, if I'm not mistaken. Wow. Um, so 
uh, yeah, new new things coming. So hopefully they're still in the Premier League when they debut their new season, because otherwise that could be <laughs> a little embarrassing if they're down in the championship with a brand new stadium. Yeah, you mentioned that relegation potential, and obviously it's so weird that you lose ten points. Like they're just gone. Those three wins and a draw that you accrued now—it's like they never existed because of this this breach of financial fair play. And like, we won't get into this. And again, if anybody's listening who has no idea what we're talking about, we're not going to be able to explain it uh, in the best way, but essentially they spent more than they were supposed to spend and didn't make up that revenue. And because of that, they've lost 10 points. Manchester City, by the way, has like 100 plus counts against them in terms of this, but they just haven't gone through all of the process of litigating that. Everton had one count and loses 10 points. So there you go. But anyway, the potential now is there again to be sucked into this relegation fight. You've survived basically on the last day of the season, each of the last two years. I know, Michael, you touched on experiencing that relief of surviving with, with fans and friends. It's almost like winning a trophy, isn't it? What, what is that like when you're in this fight and you come through and you know you can play another season in this famous league? What is that like for you? Yeah, I mean, uh, it was definitely a unique experience. Uh, I mean, I'm relatively new to the Premier League. I've been following it for probably maybe six-ish years now. So um, that was kind of the first time where it's really kind of come down to that uh, last last day. And and you're kind of thinking, gosh, this could really stink if they get sent down. And, um, <laughs> you know, I'm in a, in a group chat uh, with some uh, friends who are big Premier League fans of various teams, Arsenal, Liverpool, Manchester United, um, things like that. And so... You know, the joke was, well, have fun watching the championship uh, next season, things like that, which, you know, it's not a huge deal to me. But, yeah, I mean, it's always fun when you get to play, you know, against the teams that your friends are cheering for. And, um, you know, their games are on Peacock and USA and you're watching the championship on ESPN Plus and things like that. So, um, you know, you mentioned it's kind of like winning a trophy. I mean, yeah, yeah, I guess a little bit it is like that, right? Um, at least it feels like you, you won something, even though, you know, you finished fourth to last. But uh, <laughs> at least at least you get to, to make the millions of dollars of staying in the Premier League and the prestige that comes with it. So um, definitely a unique experience that a lot of fans here in North America don't necessarily get or understand because we don't have anything that even compares to that in any sports over here. So let me ask you a question. This is always a pod favorite. How do you think overtime is in hockey relative to the idea of ties do you like ties are you okay with ties um yeah i think i'm okay i mean i think in soccer i'm okay with ties with with scoring tougher to come by you know i don't i don't want to see it go to a, a penalty kick shootout after every game in soccer and you know you can play an extra 15 or 30 minutes like they do in you know an elimination type of game in a tournament or something like that but most of the time you don't get a goal anyway. And so I'm not sure that playing overtime in a regular regular season soccer game is, is going to get you the result necessarily that you want in terms of breaking that tie. It does seem like in hockey goals are a little easier to come by. We've made it a little easier to come by by uh, making it three on three is kind of the idea to try and get a finish. Um, so we're not ending tied. Um, you know, now everyone does go to a shootout if the game ends in a tie. But of course, the shootout, at least non-conference wise means nothing in conference play it's worth a point but still ends in a tie um so I, I i'm okay with ties um i do like the three on three overtime i think it's exciting in hockey um so i do like that aspect of it i, I honestly would be okay if we didn't have shootouts in regular season games so um, i'd be okay with three on three overtime and then if we're tied we're just tied um i get it from a conference perspective it makes sense to play the shootout so that all yeah. games are worth three points. Someone's getting two points and someone's sure. getting one point. Um, you know, unlike the NHL where some games are worth three points and some games are worth two points in our league, all games are worth three points. Either one team gets all three and the other gets zero or two and one, but in non-conference, uh, you know, a non-conference exhibition shootout doesn't really make sense to me. I guess the team maybe feels good if they win, but uh, you know, I'm always afraid that a goalie is going to pull a muscle trying to make a save or something in a, a meaningless shootout. So um, I'm, I'm okay with ties, but I do like three on three overtime. Yeah, the chair of the rules committee uh, in hockey this year has heard a lot from, let's just say, different parts of uh, the office about four on four. <laughs> I think I would be excited about four on four because I believe I see that during the regular season games. I don't see three on three too much. So at the end of the day, I'm a four on four fan, but I think I'm in the minority uh, in, uh, let's just say, the world of hockey. 
Yeah, I think four and four is an interesting idea. I mean, I think anytime you take a player from each team off the ice, it just creates more space, right? Which That's right. Is the idea to, in theory, allow guys to have more space to make moves should be a little bit easier to score because you have one less defenseman stopping you. Um, so I think think that is uh, an interesting idea, to, you know, kind of a balance between the three on three where guys can get pretty exhausted. And now in the NHL, you see their talk of, you know, not even a lot, basically a half court violation, right? Because teams are That's right. circling back and just kind of killing That's time, right. um, puck That's possession. Right. And now the NHL is like, well, we don't really like that. So once you cross mid ice, you may not even be able to go back across, which seems a little extreme because um, you might not even do it intentionally if you have a bad pass or something like that. But um, I, you know, and I'm interested. I, I'm always thought that soccer should try something like that too to try and get mm. a result. You know, make it ten on ten or nine on nine. But I don't know. They're they're all about their ties, so I'm not sure that they would go for something like that. I'm dominating this B side. My apologies, Alex. But um, <laughs> uh, but Tottenham Tottenham has tried that. They were playing with nine players recently, so we've tried that. Um, so that but we just did it during the actual play. So that's how we did that. Um, but the four on four piece, I, I'm intrigued by it for a couple different reasons because I just think. Th- moving to three on three, I get why the NHL does it because they have 80, 82 games, whatever, but we just have, we have half as many, I mean, in, in less than half, it just feels like it's, it's quite drastic um, to play that. And then I feel like the win loss piece of it, I know there's a pairwise side to it. It just feels extreme to me it, where uh, on a four on four, you might get more ties, but I do think it will open it up. And I think it's, we see it in hockey a lot. And the last thing I'll say is what's much what you said, we've overcoached it because we have now had it for a while. And so really it's about possession and we see it. We see it. How many times do we see just two or three possessions now? And then there's a goal. I think coaches would strongly agree with your win loss thing, because we do hear about that uh, every year at the annual meetings, it seems like is, you know, can we get credit for the overtime win? But if we lose, can it only count as a tie? And it's like, well, <laughs> tough to have it both ways. Yeah. They've also suggested like a kind of like we do for conference play where we actually have six columns. And I just think that gets complicated for, I mean, it's complicated enough in our league. I can't imagine making your overall record that complicated. Four on four solves it. I'm just telling you, I, I've got to get with that guy. That's the chair of the rules committee. It yeah. is. A, it's a rule change year too. It's a rule change year. If only you knew where he was located. Uh, yeah, I, I wish we did. <laughs> <laughs> Tough guy to track down, that Martinson guy. Anyway, as Michael mentioned, he's from Oxford, Ohio. He's a big Cincinnati Bengals fan. Bill is a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. This never happens that we get two AFC North people together. Both of you have had really weird seasons. Um, Michael, your thoughts on where the Bengals are at right now, and then we'll get Bill's take on the fact that they just fired their offensive coordinator. Wow, they fired their offense quarter. That was news to me. Did not see that. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's been a bit of an up and down year, I would say, for the Bengals. Uh, a little bit of a mourning period right now after uh, Joe Burrow's injury. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he just uh, he can't seem to avoid the injury bug. You know, they got off to a rough start after he hurt his calf. And I think it was the second practice of training camp. Uh, you could clearly see he was not himself the first four games. He was a, a shadow of himself, couldn't move, couldn't do anything. His throws were not very good. Um, and then magically he got better and so did the Bengals and they rolled off some big wins over the Niners and the Bills and you know you thought they were back and, and really this was very similar to what they did uh, last year when they went to the AFC championship they started uh, I think 0-2 1-3 and, and, and they were 5-4 and four, which is exactly what they were uh, going into the Ravens last Thursday before uh, Burrow got hurt and so I was actually feeling pretty good seemed like they were hitting their stride again had just beaten the Bills beaten the Niners um, really beaten some good teams and then yeah as soon as you saw Burrow kind of react on that short touchdown pass, I knew that wasn't good because as with any sport, anytime you have a non-contact injury and he looked to be in pretty severe agony, I had a feeling that that was probably a season ender of, of some sort of a ligament. Wasn't sure if it was an elbow or a wrist, but anytime you make a reaction like that on a simple like two yard throw that you're not touched on, it's not, not a good sign. He just couldn't grip it. And so, um, yeah, it'll be interesting. We'll see what Jake Browning can do. Uh, he looked, I guess, he looked okay the last uh, What's okay? Uh, the last half against Baltimore. He held his own. Um, you know, Pittsburgh's D is also very good, so that'll be a, a good test for them. Thankfully, the Steelers don't really have much offense, as we kind of alluded to. So, I have a feeling it'll be a, a low-scoring game for those that are uh, into gambling. My suggestion would be to take the under. 
Ooh, okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, we've got a suggestion there. Um, I will say this. Um, yeah, I, I, they had to do something. Uh, they, they've been historically bad offensively on any metric that you could imagine. So I was wondering how the Najee Harris comments were going to play. And obviously what ended up happening was they made a decision right at the end. And I think Najee's pretty measured guy. And so uh, it'd be interesting to see what they come out with this week. So uh, I'll be as interested as you are uh, watching it. It was uh, it was hard to watch them in the fourth quarter thinking they should at worst go to overtime this weekend. And uh, let's just say, it was not awesome, and uh, they found a way to lose that game. And uh, you know what? But they've had luck along the way at this stage of the game. So, I don't know. Go to go to Cincinnati, play the backup quarterback. It's better than playing Burrow. Yeah, no no doubt about that. Yeah, Browning doesn't have a lot of experience, so uh, we'll we'll see what he can do. I will say it's, it's never a good sign um, when you're the offensive coordinator and you're getting chances to be fired at that team's hockey game. I believe the Penguins were – chanting fire Matt Canada several weeks ago. So that, uh, that's got to be pretty rough when you're not even at, at your sport and, and other fans are chanting for you to be fired. Well, you know what, you know what ends up happening, how, however it goes, right? There is a point where you've just reached a distraction level. And and at this at the stage, you know, I just think for all intended, including Matt, you know what, probably better to, to, to figure something else out. And I don't even know how they're going to replace him, Alex, but at this stage of the game, I, it, it really didn't matter. They, the, 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 it was difficult to play at home right now. Do you think Kenny Pickett is more the problem though, or is it really a Matt Canada problem? I don't know that answer. I, I don't know enough about football to understand the schematics of it, but from what, what I've understood, and that's where Najee Harris was really disappointed was um, uh, it felt, it felt like the other team knew what the Steelers were going to do. That's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> it's not great. It's not <laughs> ideal when that's what's happening. For the record, the Bills fired their offensive coordinator, Ken Dorsey, last week and then came out and scored 32 points against a really good Jets defense. Steelers, by the way, fifth fewest points in the league this year. Only the Patriots, the Jets, the Giants, and the Panthers have scored fewer. And those teams are awful, Bill. It can't get any worse, right? That's kind of where we're at. It, by every metric offensively, we are, I think, 28th or worse. I mean, there's... That's just what it is. And I don't know. I, I don't know about Pickett. Your question, Michael, I don't know. How about that? I I literally don't. I can't tell. Like, I don't, like he threw that, 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 that last incomplete he had. Like, it was it, – it should have been intentional grounding. There was nobody there. But it, it, it's, but is that a wrong route? I have no idea. Yeah. Full, full credit to Mike Tomlin, though. He somehow always has the Steelers playing – sound football even if it's not the prettiest football but the defense is there i mean he has what never had a losing season i don't believe even though never. even after roethlisberger left and they you know they didn't even have a quarterback for one season and then they got Pickett, and he's been you know maybe average at best and um they're still in the playoff position there's a decent chance they're going to make the playoffs especially now that the bengals uh probably not looking so good to make the playoffs without burrow so that opens <laughs> up a spot so yeah i mean uh you know are they going to win in the playoffs i don't know about that but i think they got a decent shot to make the playoffs I know this. I, I do know this is Mitch Trubisky and Mason Rudolph are not starting quarterbacks. That I do know. <laughs> Duck Hodges? Duck Hodges, though? Maybe we're going to get Duck back. What about, what, about Josh, what about Josh Dobbs? I mean, the Steelers could be playing Josh Dobbs right now. Um, and, uh, you know, I would say I, I well. saw that movie, too. And uh, <laughs> Minnesota's going to see that movie. I mean, it, it, it was a nice start. Um, but it's a long movie. <laughs> you're saying he should stick to NASA? Is that what you're saying? I'm thinking backup is perfect. Well, we better go. Michael, thanks again so much for your time, buddy. Great to chat about a variety of different topics. Best of luck to you in the league moving forward. Happy Thanksgiving. Absolutely. Appreciate you guys having me on. Happy Thanksgiving. Thanks, Michael. Everyone. Take care, guys. Appreciate you. Big thanks to Bill Shaves, of course. Bill, we're going to chat. We'll do this again in two weeks' time or so as we trip into December. Big thanks again to Paul Ralston and Alec Johnson, our behind-the-scenes crew. On behalf of everybody that makes this podcast possible, I'm Alex Heinert saying thank you for listening. Yes, have a happy, safe Thanksgiving. We'll talk to you soon. Bye.